Welcome to Therapy with Millennials, a podcast where we take our late night talks, aka our own therapy sessions, and put them on record for you to hear. We take a looser definition of therapy, so if you need to seek professional help, please do so. Our main goal is that in sharing our stories, we will relieve some of your tension and you will relate to us. So join us on this journey. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners to find us and join this listenership and helps us know how we can get better. So talk back to us. Hello and welcome to Therapy with Millennials. I'm one of your hosts, Malia, and I'm joined by one of my best friends, Brittany Payne. How are you doing, Brittany? I'm good. I hope everyone else is doing great. So we are continuing our series about respectful disagreement, and I am so excited about introducing a new friend of mine. We're actually, we go to the same church. And I've gotten to know her kind of started from afar, but now we're both in Princeton together and I find she's so cool. guys. <laughs> so we are welcoming Miss Karshala to the podcast. Thank How are you doing? You. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? We're good. good. We're good. Thank we're glad you. you said yes. So could you give us a brief intro into who you are, whether you're married or not, whether you have kids or not, sure. what your career is like, that stuff? Sure, sure. So my name is Karshala Yals. I am a natural born Memphian from Memphis, Tennessee. I born and raised there. I moved to Montgomery, Alabama about almost eight years now. And I married my lovely husband, Sam, 2016, 15. Who knows at this point? <laughs> <laughs> and we got two girls now, one on the way. Oh, really? Hi, yes, ma'am. Ah! <laughs> so um, I moved here initially just to go to law school, but decided while I was here, you know what? Wherever I take the bar or wherever I go to law school is where I'm going to take the bar. So I decided to stay. Mm-hmm. So that's a little snapshot of my life. And now I'm a practicing attorney. been practicing for five years now. Um, my office is in Prattville. But I, I can do it wherever you call me in Alabama. That's where I can go. So Very that's cool. me. Do you specialize in any topic specifically, or do you do a little of everything? No, you know, at first I started off like, huh, maybe I do a little of everything, and I was like, uh-uh, spread way too too thin. So now I specialize in domestic relations matters. Of course, that's your divorces, custody cases, and I do plaintiff work or personal injury law, and just dabbled into some probate and juvenile. I know it's like, well, dang, Carson, this sounds like everything to me. (laughs) (laughs) No criminal law, no tax, no, none of that. So, yeah. So being an attorney is one of those jobs that I've always heard and kind of experienced because one of my one of me and Brittany's close friends is also an attorney mm-hmm. is one of those jobs where you're either called or you're not people yes, drop like Lord. flies starting in law school and in yeah. this career. And so how did you know that you were called to be an attorney? Did you even feel called? Did you just do it out of necessity well, or just seem cool at the time? You know, initially, if you talk to my mom about it, she'll tell you like, Oh, Carshall knew she was going to be an attorney since she was about five or six. I don't know how I knew that because no one in my family is uh, in the legal field at all. And so I I don't know when it started for me, but I knew I was always on the path to becoming an attorney. Now, I didn't know that it was my calling or it wasn't revealed to me that it was my calling until 
I believe it was my sophomore year in college, and I was taking one of my law courses in undergrad, and I went to a private Christian school called Milligan. It's in the mountains of Tennessee, East Tennessee, and I'll never forget the professor was explaining to us the connection between being Christ followers and really teaching the gospel to people who are at their most vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. And when they come into your office, depending on the type of law you're doing, they're looking for a savior one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there thinking, and you know, everyone had their roles, but I was thinking with my set of talents that I feel like I have, what I feel like God is pulling me to do is, is finally connecting. And it was just a, a really peaceful feeling that, okay, I'm on the right journey. Thank you, God, for putting something in me. Mm-hmm. And I was just on this journey. Didn't had no idea it was a calling until then. So how does faith play out in your day-to-day life also with your job? So it's really interesting, to be honest with you. In the type of law I do, you know, again, we have people knocking on our doors. Some of them, a lot of them are saying, help me, please, whatever you can do. I'm desperate. I'm I'm this, I'm that. But then you have that handful of people who, like any attorney may experience, if you don't do exactly what they want you to do or how you do it, they're getting a little rowdy or they, you know, some ugly sides start coming out. And with my faith, it took me, it's kind of two-sided. It took me a while to really resonate with, okay, it is not my duty to make sure this person get punishment. It's not my duty to make sure you get what's coming for you. That's not my duty. My duty is to properly tell your story. And if your story resonates with the judge, then it does. If it does not, then, you know, we're going to do our best no matter what. And I feel like I had to really dig into my faith to see, okay, like, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Really just pull it out of me, God, what you want to be shown. And then, so that's one side of it, just really kind of balancing all of that. But the other side is when people get ugly with me, it's so hard cling to that faith, to cling to what you know, Christianity, and to be this graceful person and blah, blah, blah. It took my husband sitting me down one day. I had a very interesting encounter with um, a racist man, and I was appointed to him. And so I didn't get a choice in representing him at all. And I am the only African-American attorney in Otago County as far as located in Otago County. Mm. You have some that come and, you know, they're located in Elmore or Montgomery, but I'm the only one in Otago County. So I'm thinking, hey, I don't attorneys here. Why did you put me with them? But my husband sat me down and he said, Karshla, you may be the only Jesus he sees in his life. You don't know. Mm. So really dig into that faith and pull it out. Ask God to pull out whatever it is that you want him mm-hmm. to see. Just do it. So they, they intertwine a whole lot. And if they didn't, I would probably lose my head. So how do you, kind of going off of stressors at work, how do you separate cases that are good cases that Ooh. just go poorly or how against your client? How do you bring God into those situations that are great cases that you fully support and are able to get behind mm-hmm. personally? but they just go south for some reason. Well, I mean, you know, it's for me, you know, here's go the attorney answer. It depends on what going south looks like. So <laughs> in some cases going south for my client will look like 
I did not get the visitation time or the custodial time that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And there you kind of juggle values. Okay, now what do you actually value? What what is it here? Is it a W? Is it an L? Do you want to win or lose? Is it, Mm -hmm. oh, they got the best of me? Or is it truly being there for your child, being an active role in in your child's life and having quality time with your child? Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the first thing I try to do to nestle a case that I really believe in, whether it goes south or north, is to build a rapport with those people and just give them authentic trust in me. That way, once it goes south, they have trust that, oh, you know, Karshala, you did what you had to do. You mm-hmm. did whatever you feel like needs to be done. You allowed me to say my piece and use discernment. And so this is what it is. And I'll mm-hmm. take it. And there are some times where they're like, it went south, but I'm good. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, it's not, you know. <laughs> and then they have to do the same with me because mm. we built that rapport. So yeah. there are a lot of times that I really am invested in a case and I believe in it. And it just don't go the way you want it to go. But that's mm. a lesson in life. And so it, it mm. happens often. And then the ones that you're like, ah, whatever, they end up you know, soaring. It's like, what in the world? What so, is this? You know, it's just one of those things where I really think that once you build rapport with those people and give authentic trust, that South doesn't feel so South. You kind of talked about it a little bit already, just naturally in your story, but I'm curious a little bit more in depth if you're able to do it with us. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to racially charged situations? Ooh. Like sometimes you're walking in, you're the only one. I'll speak from what we're we're both kind of in as the only ones we're the only ones of color right now that I know of on our praise team I felt very I was very intentional when I eventually did try out for a praise team that I don't believe it's the heart of our church and I don't believe it's the heart of our worship minister that it was that way but I just don't think anyone had taken the step to realize wow if someone was just watching our worship Right. online they would think that we're only a white church right so and true. so i was very intentional when i auditioned and i was very excited when you came to join me i like what did i get myself into <laughs> but like you said though you have to be intentional because mm-hmm. The unintentional, oh, this is just how it is, and we're just we're just dealing with who comes to us or whatever the case may be. It it comes off as just being comfortable and complacent in just I mean, it just really comes off as like colorblind or you just mm-hmm. naturally segregating yourself and just being comfortable mm-hmm. with what you're comfortable with. And that's not what God calls us to do or be. So for me, it's really took a toll on me about a year and a half ago, because I felt like I was doing everything I could do to blend in. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was stripping away. Cause let's be honest, Memphis people, I love me. I love my people. We got an <laughs> accent that, hey. you know what I'm saying? It, it gets, <laughs> sometimes we get, sometimes people call us aggressive. They call us this and that, but really it's just our culture. We're passionate mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. I found myself doling all that down to blend in um, mm-hmm. with the culture that it just wasn't my culture. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, and I called it kind of playing the game so I can be accepted. So yeah, when I was doing all of that and the racism still slapped me d- dead in my face, 
it was hard. And it was like, mm-hmm. no matter what, I can't wash my skin off. And I'm not trying mm-hmm. to because I love my blackness. And mm-hmm. I love me. I love who I am. But even today, someone asked me like, oh, you think those braids in your head, is that professional? you doggone right it is. <laughs> oh, you must believe. Yeah. Don't even get me started on braids and Come twists. On hey. Come on now. So when you're an attorney, you already have this expectation of being an attorney and what you're supposed to look like. Gray mm-hmm. suit, black suit, that's it white shirt book that's it you know so and then i here mm-hmm. i come the audacity to be a black short female that looks like she's 12 and she's coming in with this this style this charisma this walk when to us is it's natural mm-hmm. and so i had to really understand like her so no matter what <laughs> girl you wasting all this time trying to be somebody you're not be mm-hmm. yourself because it's gonna smack you in your face anyway and my first encounter was, like I said earlier, the the racist um, client that I have, bless his heart. We're actually are close now. He calls me, case is over. And he calls me and says, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good. How are you? How are you? <laughs> and so, but it took a moment in court in the middle of a trial with my client. I had to read him saying the N-word over and over and over and saying all of them must die. Shoot and kill all of them. Oh, and I'm God. reading this in a in a literally in the middle of a trial and I had tears in my eyes and it was another attorney there and I'm the only black person in the room and she squeezed my shoulder she said Carsley it's just a case and I told her later I said you know what that got me through just make sure that you know in everything I'm doing I'm now in very very intentional because it's a lot of energy trying to be somebody that I'm not knowing that something's going to come my way whether it's racism prejudice it is what it is. And so I've had to have that mindset, but really making sure outside of this career that I have, I have peace in my home, peace within my friendships um, is a really big thing. They validate me. They get me together when I'm I'm not together. My husband is, is very quick to say, Carsley, what are you doing? So I'm like, okay, let me check myself. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, just having that balance really, really helps me stay mentally grounded when I'm dealing mm-hmm. with type of, you know, those racial situ- situations in my career and in my workforce. Mm-hmm. And I will say for the record, I'm with a man named Rob Riddle. It's his law firm. And by him being open-minded and very very willing to just hear me out a lot of times and saying you know I don't understand because I'm not a black woman but I have been in places where I was not accepted and I'm here for you I support you whatever you need whatever choice you decide to make I support you 100% it helps so so much so find a workplace no matter what career you have where you support it in in whoever you are, authentically you. Because I've been in places where, you know, I'm saying this and that, and they're like, well, Carson, maybe you took it the wrong way. And maybe I did, but it's how you mm-hmm. deliver that in, in my rawness that turns me all the way away from you. So right. <laughs> it's kind of like a not even listening, listening to you at that point. It's like, I didn't hear you at all. I'm just like, oh, well, maybe you took it the wrong way. Instead of being like, right. I hear your side talking to you, and then, okay, well, maybe. You know, you heard it this way. Right. Absolutely. Because I had a very good conversation today with another attorney. We had to go somewhere and she's a white woman. She's a little older. And I'm riding with her and we pass a couple of Confederate flags. And I'm thinking, Lord, where are we going? (laughs) You know, because my mindset, because of my history, my 
my people's history with that flag is not a good one. And I don't mm-hmm. want to start any, you know, just we That's have what to agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> that for me, I have a different feeling. I'm always on alert because I don't know if it's hatred or heritage. I don't know which one are you waving mm-hmm. it for. I don't. And for her, mm-hmm. it was like, well, not everyone is. I get that. And so we actually had a very good conversation and saw each other's different opinions. And it wasn't like, okay, we disagree. You know, we agree to disagree. It was like, okay, I respect you. And I respect you. But I told her from here on out, now that you know my opinion, I know that if I see it at your house, it's not, you don't mean anything by it. But you have to be sensitive and open now to say, okay, well, Karshala, this is how she feels. So just like mm-hmm. Paul didn't eat the meat for those who were offended by it, it ain't going to mm-hmm. kill you to take it down if I come to your house. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it was certain things mm-hmm. like that. It's just a gesture of, you know what, my friendship is more important than the message I'm trying to convey with waving it. For, for today and I mm-hmm. think that's what made it like okay we can still coexist <laughs> so, exactly you know. it's nice to have that support too because mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes it feels like okay I'm, I'm on edge I'm on guard mm-hmm. and it, it does feel like in the moment when you're saying oh I felt something and someone says oh maybe you're just being too sensitive maybe you're t- being too such and such and such and such maybe you're being too angry yep and it's like then I start questioning myself like am I being angry mm-hmm. am I being defensive like am I doing these things right and so then I start questioning myself like am I the one I think that with all things we just have to be cognizant of even right. if it's not true it's the way that that person felt Correct. So even though, you know, that flag didn't really mean anything to her besides heritage, it meant something to you. And right. those two things can exist, coexist in the same, you know, situation. Like right. you're both technically right. Like there's nothing because it's wrong to with you. both of you being right. <laughs> right. It's exactly. How, it's how you interpret things. But just be where I draw the line is, okay, when you are no longer available to listen to my point of view, when you're very dismissive and saying, mm-hmm. no, this is how I meant it, period. So forget what you feel. I'm going to mm-hmm. feel the way I feel. That's okay. I, I slowly pull away because for me, you're disrupting my peace at this point. Now, I'm all for mm-hmm. a good old argument. I mean, I'm an attorney, by God. Yeah, but, go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but in my friendships, if we are not going to be sensitive to each other's feelings and perspectives and listen to exactly why, because I can walk in court and have somebody cussing and all this other stuff, and I'm thinking, like, why is he doing all that? And they pulled his kids away where he had, you know, some drugs on. That's why. You're just dismissive. Mm-hmm. But what happened if they taken his kids to foster care and, you know, whatever, and he got raped as a young person in foster care. And it's not about the mm-hmm. drugs. It's not about why they're taking him at this moment. Mm-hmm. It's about what he has been through. And I think if you're mm-hmm. not available to just sit down and listen and say, you know what, Karshla, I hear you. Because that's what I'm doing to you. I feel like I'm doing it every single day being a minority. I have to sit down, I feel like, sometimes and say, I hear you. I I get it, y'all. I get it. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel so small and my voice never matters. And it's like, I do this all the time. Can somebody please say, Karshla, I hear you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just about, again, just being, saying, you know, I am mentally available to receive how you feel. Acknowledge that and not just dismiss, dismiss, because we don't feel the same or I just yeah. think that's invalid. That's not true. So let's move on. Okay. Mm. <laughs> sure way to push <laughs> on a friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. I feel like a lot of times we just look at face value 
and or or you know something like in that specific case you know we're looking at someone and we only see what's happening right then and we don't know about or think about what's what has happened and when we have these conversations we had a conversation a series back in february for black history month for our podcast and malia and i just sat down and asked each other all the questions um without any kind of you know malia was like be as open and as honest and ask whatever questions you want to ask and she did the same and i tell people all the time like i can't of course say that i've experienced any kind of racism but i try to my way of i guess kind of trying to understand and besides gathering myself up with as much knowledge as i can and talking to my friends is I do feel a prejudice or a bias as a woman as well. Mm -hmm. So when you were things that you were talking about, when I hear about professionalism, you know, I mean, I've also had, I've also in my workplace heard someone ask my coworker, Oh, do you think that hair, that hairstyle is professional and things like that? I'm thinking, why does that even matter? And sometimes the, the outfits that she wears, Oh, is that, is that professional? I'm like, it's a dress. It's a, it's a, right. you know, it may be a traditional dress, but it's professional. And I think a lot of times too, as women, we get, because a man, he comes in, you, typically, typically he comes in in a black suit, a gray suit, a white suit, whatever suit. It's like basic. Women have fashion. Okay. <laughs> we got style. I'm wearing it up. You understand? I'm coming with cheetah print this and I'm yes. zebra. I came now and I remember and I actually put a post on Instagram about this. It was Juneteenth last year. And I went to work in my little old office now with an African scarf on my head. And I thought I was cute. Did my makeup that day and my boss comes in and he's like, oh, hey, Carsla, I like that. Thank you. Clients. Now, they try to test you. They come in. He said, mm-hmm. he was like, girl, what's that on your head? Said, well, hold on. Let's get this one thing together. I'm not your girl. So mm-hmm. don't call me that. Because <laughs> now, mm-hmm. again, if we built that rapport, I'm down. At that point, I feel very threatened. I mean, I did. I was like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Maybe because my defense was already up. Mm-hmm. But I know, I know where you're getting it. So I explained to him why it was on my head <laughs> because of what today is. And that was a moment where I, I heard my husband's voice, Karshala, you maybe don't need Jesus. He sees like, okay, you know, don't be, you know, let's not, let's calm it down, Karshala, because maybe he just don't know because his world, that's not professionalism. Mm-hmm. In his world, you don't just walk around with scarves on your head, African or not, you know. And in mm-hmm. my bubble, in my world, in my heritage, in my culture, that's a bad looking scarf, girl. So mm-hmm. it's just you're commemorating that day. I wanted to wear it today, and I'm going to wear it in the office. I'm not going to wear it in the street or in Walmart. I'm not going to wear it out. I'm going to wear it in my office, mm-hmm. and I choose to do so. Yeah. And today, mm-hmm. it's me being professional. You know, it's all about educating and having an open mind and just being ready. And it's interesting to me how even I feel like minorities have been trained to think it's unprofessional. Oh, my God. Like, I I was working at a theme park. (laughs) And right right around the time that I started working for them, they were reviewing their hair requirements. 
unlike the other people who had joined this company, I actually did read the handbook, the entire thing before I signed it because my dad is not an attorney. And, but he has always been like, if you don't read it, you best believe that they will throw the book at you and make you remember it later on. And so I read the entire thing. And this other girl, I was wearing twists at the time. She came in with braids and one of our managers told her she was unprofessional and need to go, you know, change it. And I was like, you can't do that because one, mm-hmm. even though her, her braids are not in our handbook, our handbook is under revision. And the thing that it's under revision for is twists, braids, and coloring. Wow. So you cannot tell her that she's unprofessional. Nice try. Because you don't even have the standard together right now. Okay? Exactly. Yeah. Because you want to know why? All the other standards were straight, curly, straight, straight and curly, half up, half down. Not something that most of our minority brothers and sisters can actually put in a ponytail. Right. right. And, and, and I know I can't. Companies as big as that are still learning. We're not ready. We have That's not right. arrived. We That's do not right. understand. And then even when I first started doing my twist, I remember my mom was very concerned. My dad and mom was, <laughs> were so concerned. They were. I, I started doing it during my junior year of college. And she's like, okay, baby, I understand that you, you're doing this for the health of your hair. But you need to be able to get a job yes. after you graduate college. And you need to be prepared that these people, these white people are not prepared for you to have twists in your head and be called professional. And I was like, you know what? If that's the cross I have to die on, then I'm going to die on it. Because guess what? They're not going to pay for my perms. They're not going to take care of my hair. And when I'm bald, <laughs> they're going to say it's still unprofessional. So you know what? Right. I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> right. Because I, baby, I rather hold on to these edges because I took care of it the way I wanted to take care of it. Then you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny because I don't know if it's a, you know, it's a cultural thing or whatever, but the mamas, it, for me, it was my mama. And I really think that it was her fear of, I want my daughter to do, I want her to excel I want Same. her to bust the doors wide open because she was that that activist in college and, and all this. And my parents mm. are a little older. She's 64 now. So she was like, I was trying to join Black Panthers. I protest. I marched. Mm-hmm. So she was all of those things. And for her, she's seeing the differences, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm 30 mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, but I had this fire under me, but I hadn't lived that. Mm-hmm. We're living in a different time today. Now, don't get me wrong, but she, she was mm-hmm. literally... I mean, breaking barriers, and I, I thank her for that. But for her, it was a fear like, okay, my daughter, all these barriers we had to break, she's not going to be accepted. I need her to mm-hmm. really get the golden ticket. She's been conditioned that it's not professional. And, Marsha, you got to do everything mm-hmm. you can do to to on the path to success to blend in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mama, no, you don't. No, you. I, I'm making my own path. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people mm-hmm. may shut the door and say, I don't get it. Then you create your own door. There are people who have done mm-hmm. it before. And we just, I'm paying them homage by constantly doing it again. So I personally would not walk in for it with certain colors in my hair or something like that. And I, I actually mm-hmm. like a really, it's a, I think it's a commercial where it says I, my color in my hair is professional. Me being bald headed women, it's professional. Yes. Like I love that commercial. But for mm-hmm. Karshala... I just, I'm probably not going to walk in court with blue hair. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I, you know, I check in with mom and it, she keeps me grounded. But there are some times mm. I'm like, listen here. I don't know who made this standard, but it ain't <laughs> right. <laughs> I can do uh-huh. it. There are some days I wish I could just dye my hair blue or pink. I, I'm that person that would do that. I would dye it. I had it pink before 
And when I worked at Starbucks, I could do it. But now that I'm in a professional setting, you know, I can't color my hair or anything crazy or, and I had to not really fight for the tattoos that I have, but it was definitely in my handbook at one point that was like, you can't have tattoos and I'm thinking I'm not taping these things every day (laughs) I've got one more question how does God use you to create racial peace by this point um to our listenership things like the Floyd shooting Black Lives Matter has happened Mm -hmm. just to kind of put you in a timeline of where we're doing this podcast in history Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of political issues going on and stuff like that. COVID is still a factor in our lives and it's affecting different parties differently, um, especially small businesses. So how do you feel like God is using you in all of that in the racial turmoil and also in the COVID turmoil that's going on right now? That's a big one Um, because I feel like some moments, so the quickest answer is, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's using me in so many different ways. And then one day I feel like you haven't used me at all. I don't feel like I'm providing racial peace or peace in this turmoil at all. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And I just have to mm-hmm. keep reminding myself there are so many pieces to this puzzle. And God is using mm-hmm. everyone so differently. You know, it, it, it's just like something like, this may sound silly, but it's like blinking. You don't know how many times you blink a day. And you don't know how much you protect your eye from all kinds of stuff just by that one blink. And I feel like I'm just one blink, God. I like am I am I really cleansing this thing? But <laughs> there are moments of clarity that I can truly see God using me. I think I'm an outspoken person. <laughs> I am I'm small, but a lot of people say like, oh, you're a whole personality. Just when I walk in the room, you probably know I'm there. Same with my husband. So for me, when people come to me, because I don't like to go to them often, and that's something I've been working on, but when they, or or express my thoughts about hard topics, just raising my hand, hey, I I got something to say. I don't do that often, and I need to probably more, but where I think God is really using me is people are feeling more and more comfortable asking me those questions. And I think in my silence for a while, he was preparing me and molding my tongue to say the right things, not even the right things, just say what he wants me to say, which mm. if Jesus wants me to say it, it's the right thing. <laughs> so um, I think that he was molding that and preparing me to be that peace. And in, in molding and all of that stuff, people were saying stuff I didn't see. And so when mm-hmm. they felt comfortable enough, and I barely even know their last name, to say, hey, Karshla, let me ask you about this. Because going back to Confederate flag issue, I had when, when they just observed um, Confederate Day, you know, I didn't say a word, got off. I didn't do hardly anything. I spent time with my kids, you know, for Juneteenth. I celebrated. And, you know, it's just different. So point is, somebody the next day came to court and they said, Carson, I just want I just want your opinion. And they pulled me to, to the side like I was in trouble. And we had a good conversation about it. Um, because somebody else, you know, put happy Confederate Day. And they were like, did that offend you? And I said, Oh God, here, here you go, mold me, because this is a time I could say, Well, duh. Or I could say, you know, well, here's what I think. And mm-hmm. really allow God to take over. And I think that's how he's using me. Um 
sometimes my tongue is my biggest talent and be the biggest curse too. But at the same time, that's how, that's where I fit in this world right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I think that's how he's continuously using me. And if it's not, then I definitely don't know. (laughs) That's how I feel. (laughs) But tomorrow it may be something different, you know, so just keep I keep reminding myself I'm just a small piece of the puzzle I am one blink and the millions of times I blink a day those those times are not assigned to me I'm only here to to water or maybe I was there to plant that day or maybe I was Mm. there to make sure I had just enough sunshine that little seed I don't know I think what you said is so important it's like reminding ourselves that we are just a blink or just uh because I think we all tend to think we have to do some great thing or we have to see a lot of times I thought I had to see that seed grow and then I needed to see the fruit come from the tree and I needed to see that fruit create another tree or, you know, sometimes you don't even get to see the seed that you throw into the ground. Like, (laughs) no, that's correct. Absolutely. And I mean, I have to keep reminding myself because if I don't, I will feel insignificant. And mm-hmm. God doesn't call any of us to feel insignificant. We are so right. important and so loved. And mm-hmm. no matter what, if we stay with him, I think we, at every step we take, we're leaving a piece of that. It's just, who's going to pick it up? I don't know. But we're leaving mm-hmm. a piece of that. And I didn't realize people were seeing certain things, you know, um, until they come to me. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad you did that. And it's like, okay, God, I see. I see. Mm -hmm. And I also think that I'm still in this phase where I'm going through a lot of turmoil in my family and in other areas of my life. I'm like, I know when I come out these things, you got something great for me. And this testimony is going to be solid. So even Mm -hmm. though I don't feel like in those areas, he's using me actively because this COVID thing has hit so many family members. And I've had to say goodbye through Zoom in a hospital or through a glass quite a few times. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't know what's going on. So in that realm, I don't know how I'm being used, but I do know it's about to be crazy. The testimony that it's, it's going to come from. It's go- mm-hmm. it gotta be. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I'm hoping so. I, I, I definitely went through a period of feeling very insignificant. Like what am I doing? Like, everything felt kind of like a waste and honestly even when I auditioned for praise team I was like I mean this is in my head I'm thinking short term this is something fun that I can do just because I like singing yeah and I had no idea Karshala the number of people who were so encouraging about me joining praise team yes and talking about how it mattered and like the way I was raised like obviously all that you never forget what you look like and who you are right. and parents telling you be careful out there and all this other stuff. But they also, the way my parents raised me is they're like, you'll be the first, like no mm. matter what it is you want to do, you will be the first. And it, you don't have to have people who look like you in that position, you go be the first. And so for mm-hmm. me, seeing people in positions that I want, I just see them in that position. And I'm like, Oh, I can be you. I am not intimidated by you at all. Like that seems like a big thing that you're doing right now, but I can be you. And so I, I don't often put a lot of merit in having people in positions that I want to be in that look like me and just noticing how people were responding to me being on praising and them talking about how much it mattered. I'm like, okay, Lord, I see you. 
I see yeah. you. Yeah. It didn't matter to me, but it matters to somebody else. Correct. And I'm going to tell you, in our community, well, I feel like the Church of the Christ that I was a part of, we had more choirs than praise teams, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. you're used to doing solos and this and that. Or being, you're used to sticking out a little bit and just like, okay, mm-hmm. here it is. Just getting ready to do that little discount. We ain't call it discount. We call it solos. But <laughs> the point <laughs> is, yeah. you're used to being somewhat in the limelight. Uh-huh. But in this praise team, I was like, ooh, we we have to sound like one. You got to blend. It's about blending, baby. And so mm-hmm. from where you come from to this, it's, it's a different experience. And you feel, again, not necessarily insignificant that I had that feeling, but it was like, I mean, okay. Am I going to lose <laughs> me? And right. This? But when people, like you said, they come to me after worship, and I'm trying to hightail it out there because of COVID and because I'm hungry or I got my family waiting on me, whatever it is, I'm on a mission mm-hmm. walking out the church and they're stopping me. And they're like, y'all sound beautiful. I love your smile. You really helped me worship because, and I'm like, partially it is not about you. I mean, you're, you're playing a role. And long as you continue to be a slave to Christ, a puppet for him and allowing him to manipulate your mouth and your movements and your praise for him, you're doing mm-hmm. good. I don't care what you sound like now. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, but the point is, you are. And listen, we got that sway down, girl. Sway, baby, <laughs> left, right, left, right. So, it just works, and you don't. You never know who is looking at you, saying, "You know what? I see God all over that girl, no matter mm-hmm. what she's going through." And they, you know, that's mm-hmm. He's constantly using us every moment we breathe. I truly believe that. Hmm. Did you have something you want to add? Me? Brittany. I'm just agreeing yeah. with everything over here. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I am really, I am so happy that you came on this podcast. Like, I really oh, enjoyed. I know I didn't do a lot of talking, but I really enjoyed just listening. And I think our listeners that we have are going to also enjoy just hearing your story. And I hope that this can um, motivate. It motivates me uh, in my walk with God. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate y'all for asking me to be a part of it. Y'all are doing such a good thing. I I, I love that y'all are tackling these type of topics. It's very bold and and, and brave of you. So I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Cool. Cool. Well, that's our wrap up, guys. Obviously, give love to Karshla. We'll attach her (laughs) socials and all that stuff below in the episode. We hope you guys have a great Friday or whenever you're listening to this episode. Have a great weekend. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Therapy with Millennials. To keep up to date on our episodes, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Come follow us on Instagram at Therapy with Millennials or Twitter at T with Millennial, no S. Have any suggestions for the show or want to get in contact with us? Email us at twithmillennials at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you.